Good morning. Merry Christmas to you. For everybody who's worshiping online, I'm sure there is a significant portion of our folks out there because I don't know if you noticed, it is a winter wonderland. I wanted to just, just pause for a moment right now and thank all of those who move snow. Did you see the mountains out there? Wow, they're doing a great job. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, staff and deacons and elders have also been kind of moving snow around, just keeping the walkways clear. We really appreciate them. Thank you so much for that. And can you smell it? Yeah, breakfast is still happening uh, after worship today. You're welcome to head off into the gym and uh, avail yourself of delectable vittles. Um, oh... We made it. We're here. And not only here because, you know, it's Christmas and we wonderful blizzard uh, experience. Uh, I don't know. I wasn't here in the 70s. How does this compare to the one in the 70s? Eh, not quite as big. Um, all right. M40 was clear. I thanked God for that. So I was able to get in this morning. Uh, was out last night, M40 was mostly clear, except for the big barriers in the way. I guess they closed that baby down. Um, but we've made it. We're here, and not only with the, the location here, we get to be together worshiping, but uh, we're here through Advent. We have arrived. We've been talking about this journey through Advent toward and the destination is this. The destination is Christmas Day, and we have made it. Advent has been the invitation. Christmas is the revelry. And for the last several weeks, we have been digging into certain themes to try and get us ready for right now, for this moment. This is what we've been preparing for. Now, I'm not sure if you picked up on it. I'm, I'm actually often surprised at the patterns that people catch or uh, see in sermons and in preaching um, series. I don't know if you noticed, but there's been a, a, a bit of a, a purposely communicated uh, thematic element of, of how to, to share what we've been talking about over the last uh, several weeks. I've been purposely using a compare-contrast uh, duality in these messages. How we often perceive things versus how God portrays them and what He wants for us. That's been on purpose. I don't know if you noticed that, but I'm, gonna, I'm telling you about it right up ahead of time because I'm going to do it again today for Christmas. We started in November, we've been talking about the, we talked about the difference between the mental exercise of expectation. What does it mean to sort of know that something, like we kind of want to be prepared, we expect certain things to happen, versus the deep in your guts, you know something is going to be true because God says it is true. And no matter what you have to wait for, no matter how much longer it'll take, your expectation is that it is true. And then the, the next week, we uh, talked about the difference between uh, what it means to be prepared. Do you have a preparation that's sort of skin deep? It wipes off pretty easy. It doesn't really make much of a difference versus a world uh, defining a reoriented uh, life toward one who eternally matters. Are we prepared to meet him, actually meet him, the only one, the one that lasts, lives, reigns? For eternity. Are we prepared? 
And then the next week, we talked about the difference between I'm sorry versus a 180-degree swap, a, a shift in the path that we're walking because we realize suddenly, oh my goodness, I've been, I've been walking away from Christmas. I've been moving in a direction completely opposite of Jesus, and now I need to turn myself around and head to Him. And then last week, we talked about the difference between only being happy because life is going well versus Choosing to revel in who Jesus is and everything that he does, regardless of the cards that have been dealt to us. There is a difference between happiness and rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. That has been our journey. And today we are wrapping it up. Today, here at the end of Advent, today is Christmas Day. We get to talk about the culmination of all of this. And our theme, our word for today is incarnation. Incarnation. Because it's Christmas, listen to these words. And I, don't, I didn't tell them to put them up on the screen. So literally, hear this, God's word. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So, Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Lord, today is Christmas. It is our day of celebration of the coming of the King, the coming of our Savior to celebrate Jesus, born in flesh. So it's good, it's good that we talk about incarnation today. And we try and understand it. We try and, and, and see what it is, experience what it is that you have offered us through him. 
Praise to you, Father God, and to Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. So, incarnation. What does that mean, the word incarnation? It's a very simple word, if you like Latin stuff. Uh, Incarnation means to be present in the flesh. It means to be physically present with people. That's all it means, incarnation. Now, usually it's a word attributed to uh, theology because it is how we understand the presence of Jesus, God in the flesh, the second person of the Trinity, put on and robed himself and, and became human to be with us. Now, what's the difference between knowing that, knowing that 2,000 years ago in a tiny little town called Bethlehem, this happened versus knowing with our hearts, souls, minds, and strength that Jesus Christ is present with us. Not just born 2,000 years ago and hung out with them for 33 years, but is present with us now, because that's the power of incarnation, right? It's, a, it's both a truth that was true back then, 2,000 years ago. It's a truth that exists today for those of us who are believers, for, those, for, for all of creation is redeemed through him. It would be easy to simply acknowledge that the second person of the Trinity, the Son, joined us in our humanity. Those are are simple words to say and, and, and concepts to understand. And it is important to know. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't know it. I'm not telling you shouldn't study it. It is it is crucial to understand if you want to understand why, why it was necessary, because it was absolutely necessary. There is no salvation if Jesus doesn't come in the flesh. Salvation is not possible without incarnation. Why? Well, here's a simple kind of theological understanding, okay? Only a human can pay for the sins of a human. This is the justice of God. But only God can fully pay the price for the fall of humanity and bring redemption to his creation because no created being is big enough or strong enough to bridge that gap. So both of those things are absolutely true. Therefore, it becomes absolutely necessary for a fully divine and fully human son of man, son of God, the only one who can do this, necessarily to be born. These are true things. These are awesome things to know. Like we, they, they spend a lot of time in seminary studying this. You can vouch for me on this one, John. Like they, they get in on this, right? You need to know this. It's important knowledge. Must be believed. Must be said. Is that all there is to incarnation? Well, if it is, this is like the shortest sermon ever. (laughs) Kind of know I'm going to say no on this one. There's more. There's more. Incarnation is more than just knowing it or even believing it, more than an academic understanding God made flesh. Incarnation is and necessarily must be experiential. It's something that happens to us, incarnation, that Jesus is present with us right now, not just a fact, an experience. 
We've been made to need that experience, to need that truth. From the very beginnings, the first moments that humans existed on this bright blue ball in space, we have yearned to live in relationship. And at the very beginning, the relationships we had were pretty awesome, like walking with God in the garden, being in holy communion with our Father. And then, and then he realizes, okay, so I'm God there. He doesn't realize, he's known this all along, but he helps us realize that, okay, so there's more. There's more of potential for us. He says, even though we are walking with him in the garden, he says to Adam, it's not good for you to be alone, which has always boggled my mind because God's right there. He's like, it's not good for you to be alone. And it's like, I imagine Adam going, you're right here. God's like, no, there's more. I've got more for you. And so he creates a partner for man. I almost have to wonder if it's partly because there's just no way for humans to have that full kind of communion with God. I mean, God is just so far above us. How could we? How could a created, how could a creature have that kind of intimacy, perfect intimacy with God? So he gives us, he gives us another human, maybe so we can have as close to a created experience as he has in his triune self, I don't even know, but I know he did it, and it's a beautiful thing. And so then, boom, there we are. In that moment, we've got it all. We had each other. We had God. We have a sense of relationship. There are no secrets. There's no need to hide. Everything about us is out in the open, available to one another, available to God, available to people. This is incarnation in perfection. Life with no separation, no brokenness. For the introverts in the room, that's like, oh. And then, and then a, a serpent and a piece of fruit and the knowledge of good and evil, and boom, you've got what we call sin, and sin creates hidden things. And sin brings in the fear of being exposed, and we feel these things, even at the same time that, that there is a created need in us for perfect connection, and that pulls at us, and it whispers into our souls that there's supposed to be more. There's supposed to be more. And for millennia, creation waited and occasionally would catch glimpses, just hints that there is more, and then, and then, Bethlehem. And the glory of God physically present with us. This is the great story. This is our great story. So how how do we have that experience? What does it mean to have an experience of incarnation? A lot of people write things about it. People, people try and capture it with words. They paint a picture of it. Uh, John Calvin wrote this. Uh, Christ's task was so to restore us to God's grace as to make of the children of men children of God. Heirs of hell into heirs of the heavenly kingdom. And who could have done this? had not the self-same Son of God become the Son of Man. And so, 
uh, had not so taken what was ours as to impart what was his and to make what was his by nature ours by grace. What? I promise you, if you read it a bunch of times, this is trying to capture the power of incarnation experientially. But that's a theologian speaking, okay? What about, um, ooh, here's a, here's a better one, words trying to capture it, uh, the experience of incarnation. Um, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He came into that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Better, but still, but still. Um, I don't know, for me, for me, it's the words of Isaiah that almost kind of get to the experience of, of what it means to be human and to experience the presence of, of Christ, the promised presence of Christ. Isaiah 9 uh, says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. When I read those words, when I hear those words, I can almost, it's almost like I can sort of see it. I can almost taste it. Incarnation, the, the presence of Jesus, what it might mean for me. And still, uh, just words. What does it mean to experience incarnation? Over the years being in ministry, I've learned some powerful words. I've learned words that impact people. And a couple of those words, like there's three words that, that have an impact on people. I've, I've always been surprised when I say them and the way it touches folks. And it's not, I love you. Like, those are good words too. But do you know the words? Like, when, when somebody's doing something for the Lord, they're serving Him, and they feel like, you know, nobody has to notice. It's okay, I'm just doing this thing. It's an important thing. And, and they, 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 don't, they don't even realize, somebody, anybody paying attention, and, and, but that's okay, I'm serving the Lord. And, and when I walk up to somebody and I go, hey, hey, you know that thing that you did? They're like, well, yeah. I go, I see you. That's weird. I see you. And it like, like catches them. This power of being present. I see you. In case you didn't know the power of those words, sometimes you don't even have to say them. Sometimes, and this, this is something that we learn about when, you know, we're getting, 
when people are grieving, you know, so often you go through the receiving line and you're, you're wishing people well and you want to say these certain, you want to just say something encouraging or to help them with their grief and you stand there and so many times, you know, it's the words that come out just don't land well. And, and honestly, when, we're, when we, we meet with a couple or we, not a couple, we meet with somebody who's just lost a loved one and they're getting ready to have the, uh, the family visitation, oftentimes we will advise them, just remember, people are going to say things and it's going to hurt. They're, they don't know what to say. And so sometimes the words that come out are just, they hurt. Um, and it, please have grace on them. So here are these people grieving. We ask them to have grace on those that are trying to console them. But here's the power of going to a family visitation and being with someone who is grieving. You're there. You're there. And the power of your presence is far more powerful than any word you would say. And if you don't believe that the power of presence makes a huge difference, um, you got that video of those kids? Can you show that real quick? Nope. The kids, the other one. There you go. got to be there. That, that's incarnation. That's the experience of it. It's powerful to just, to be present, to with your there-ness, to say to people, I see you. I'm going to finish our time together by sharing a story with you. Surprise, I keep doing this. I'm going to share a story with you about someone who experienced incarnation on this earthly plane, whose life was changed in a moment when they were known, when another human being, not even God, see, not even God was saying that it was just another human being who said, basically, I see you. So the guy's name is Arthur Booth. He grew up in Miami, Florida. He went to the Nautilus Middle School. He was a good kid, a really smart, uh, really smart kid, a good student. Um, as he got older, he started to struggle in life. Um, he got caught up in gambling, and that led to addiction. Drugs entered the picture, and then so did a life of kind of petty crime, which helped pay for his vices. By the time our story meets up with him, Arthur has been in jail before. Um, He's familiar with being in court. In fact, we find him in court as our story unfolds. It is June 2015. Roll that other one. 
Hi, Mr. Booth. How are you? How you doing, man? Okay, man. 49-year-old Arthur Booth is a career criminal, charged with burglary, grand theft, fleeing, and resisting arrest. You have actually three arrest affidavits. Reckless driving, damage to property, leaving the scene of a crash with serious injury. With no serious injury. I'm sorry, no serious injury. <laughs> okay. After questioning, Judge Glazer explains the terms of his bond. The bond on count one is 7,500. But the judge notices something familiar about this defendant. Okay, Mr. Booth, I have a question for you. Yes, ma'am. Did you go to Nautilus for middle school? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry to see you there. I always wondered what happened to you, sir. Oh, my goodness. This, this is the nicest kid in middle school. Oh, my goodness. He was the best kid in middle school. I used to play football with him, all the kids, and look what happened. So sorry. Oh, my goodness. The surprise reunion between the two former middle school classmates is almost too much for Booth to handle. Oh, my goodness. Once a promising student, Booth fell into drug and gambling addictions led him into a life of petty crime, resulting in multiple stays in prison. Oh, my goodness. Good luck to you, sir. I hope you're able to come out of this okay and just lead a lawful life. That's the power of experiencing incarnation. That's, that's an imperfect human version of the perfect divine Jesus presence that is meant for us. I mean, did you, did you see what happened to that man when he was seen and known? His demeanor, his complete demeanor changed. It ripped away all of his walls. It cut through his defenses. And what was left was that little boy from middle school who played with his friends and whose life was all potential. Out of nowhere, someone put, him, put back in front of him the way things were supposed to be. And he was reminded that he is way more than a guy going to jail, than a criminal, than a drug addict. He's more. And that's what the presence of Jesus is supposed to do for us. That's what Jesus offers us. Christ, present with us, reconnects us to the moments when men and women would walk with our Father in the garden when everything made sense, when we weren't lost. And you know what happened next for Arthur? I mean, he went to jail. He was convicted. He, he was sent up for 10 months, just like he'd been in jail before. And there was a mandated drug treatment plan, and that was probably also just like it had been before. But this time, something changed. Something was different. Incarnation changed his life. And when he got out, he went back to school. 
and he got a degree, and he stayed clean, and he wanted more for his life and his kids. And I'm not saying it all ended up sunshine and roses, uh, but things changed. And it was hard to find more info, but I did find a news article that, that followed up, and it mentioned that he ended up with a business degree, and he's working in management at a business in Florida, and his relationship with his kids is still somewhat rocky, uh, but he keeps working on it. It's almost like he's become a new person, like the old has gone, the new has come, because of a moment experiencing the power and presence of being known, of being seen. Somebody saw him. Listen again to those words from Isaiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You, Lord, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy, and they rejoice before you as people Rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Christmas, it's God saying to you, I see you, I know you. We've been spending the last month trying to be ready for that, to get ready. Do you believe that? Do you expect him to say that to you? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to be seen and to known? Will you stop hiding from him? And when you realize, when you realize, like we all do, when you find yourself walking away from him, to turn back around and walk toward being known. Will you choose to rejoice in this truth? Even if sometimes you have to wait a little while for to to come true and to experience it. Because Christmas is no longer coming. Christmas is here. <laughs> He's here. And He knows you. And He sees you. And He loves you. Merry Christmas. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, um, what an amazing gift you are. And the opportunity to come and to be with you, the opportunity, I mean, it's not just here, not just in this place. This is church. This is where we gather to worship. But every single day, from the moment that you entered this world, every single day has been another day of your declaration. I am here with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. You are mine. And I see you. And I know you. And all the walls can come tumbling down. And Lord, that's that's what we want. We want that for our lives. We want to be close to you. We want to follow you. We want to have a life that is marked by the declaration of your name. in us, with us, encourage us, and show us how close you are, that we are known, that we are loved, that we could experience today incarnation. We thank you so much, and we pray all of this in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.